My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, I'm delighted to welcome Ben Barnard onto today's programme. Ben, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure, Ben. And just for those listeners that may not be familiar with him, Ben is director at Mossy Rock Limited, an organic gardening, landscaping, fencing and property maintenance business. Um, Now, obviously, that is quite a broad spectrum of things that you're doing within the, uh, the industry, Ben. But also, there's large scale efforts from you at the moment to actually be more sustainable within the landscaping sector. And uh, I just wanted to get more of an idea as to what sort of activities that you're doing to sort of help really promote that side of things. Um, yeah, so we, uh, our kind of bread and butter is, is garden maintenance. And you know, we do everything from um, you know, small gardens up to large, um, large kind of stately homes and, uh, and gardens like that. So we, but we employ a range of techniques and uh, we use a range of tools to yeah to try and minimise our use of chemicals and um, and promote you know promote um, uh, promote healthy soil and promote uh, a habitat for wildlife and insects to yeah to enjoy and some of the things we use are um, we try and incorporate a kind of a bit of a take on the no dig technique. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we uh, when we look after the borders, we will not deep dig any borders. We will chip over the top kind of um, uh, one to maybe two inches, and uh, that means that we can work really quickly. We um, we can weed really quickly, and it doesn't disturb the soil structure. So um, the layers in the soil stay there, and the theory is, uh, which I agree with, um, that plants grow stronger and healthier. Uh, and the healthier and stronger a plant is, the more it can ward off um, uh, attacks by aphids or other insects. Uh, so, yes, we promote that. We use products such as uh, neem oil, which is used in uh, you know, the healthcare and beauty industry a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, is a great story behind that, where um, uh, where there was uh, some locusts were, uh, I think it was in Madagascar somewhere, but locusts were, um, were attacking the area, and uh, they stripped... The vegetation from the from the local area, and they stripped everything apart from the neem tree. Um, and it's the oil in the it's the oil from that tree that uh, is incredibly bitter. I've tasted it; it is it's horrendously bitter, uh, and it has lots of properties. Um, it's a fungicide and insecticide, um, and so that does wonders. It doesn't harm pollinators. So yeah, we apply we apply that to roses to treat black spot, for example. Um, we treat uh, white fly and green fly infestations with it. Um, and yeah, it doesn't harm pollinators, doesn't harm your pets. Uh, we have a whole lawn care program which uses organic um, uh, organic products, and we've invested heavily in the foam stream machine, which uses boiling water, uh, but it's insulated with this foam, which just dies down. That's made from natural sugars um, and plant extracts, um, and that kills weeds just using boiling water. At any time of year, um, the heat goes down to the roots and destroys the plant that way without using chemicals. So yes, we we. Um, we've invested heavily and we've also employed a huge amount of um, huge range of techniques to make sure we're looking after everything from the soil to pollinators to you know the plants to um, how we control weeds Uh, yeah yeah and um, with regards to sort of the uh, the use of chemicals um, what is sort of the uh, the motivation around trying to cut down on that because I guess from what you sort of hinted I mean it's the fact that chemicals obviously aren't just harmful to the pests that could pose a risk to certain plants but it's also what it 
the what else it risks? I mean, it's like it harms pollinators and it harms other insects that are actually are going to be beneficial, doesn't it? Uh, it does, and you, you see a lot of you see a lot of contractors, a lot of gardeners. I think use it far too liberally. Um, don't get me wrong. I think it has a very important part to play in in landscape management and in the landscape industry. Mm. Uh, I don't think the industry can work. Um, if it's certainly with you know, the prices of things at the moment, uh, you've got to be sensible with the use of it. But it's not the for the way we view it. We do use chemicals, but it's our last resort. We go through. Yeah, we go through a whole list of um, uh, of other ways to treat weeds to avoid using any sort of chemical. Um, so it does have its place, but it does yeah come with consequences, and they are used too liberally at the minute. Um, they can run off into water sources, um, and, you know, pollute rivers or or standing water. Uh, whether that's in puddles, and um, you know, the, the science behind it of uh, dissolving is not very you know, not very strong from what I've read. Mm. Um, it harms pollinators, which is you know, which is yeah, for, well, it's obviously not very good. Um, it's uh, uh, the um, the soil life within the soil, which is the lifeblood of, of anything that's growing. Um, it's again, the science behind it is <laughs> yeah, it's very ambiguous for both sides. Um, but the yeah, it does. In my opinion, from what I've seen as well, it does harm the soil life. And regardless of the argument for either side, there are better practices that, A, improve soil life, and that is, um, you cannot deny that, but science find that's incredibly strong, uh, using you know, mulches and, uh, and like techniques like we do, uh, where we just chip over the soil, where it benefits and improves the soil life. So why you wouldn't use these techniques, um, I don't know, but it just takes, rather than going for the easy option every single time, um, you know, people need to take a step back and actually view it um, as a last resort rather than the first resort. Yeah, so if sort of the science that's in favour of chemical usage is very, very thin, um, what is actually stopping sort of there being not necessarily a ban on chemicals, but essentially a, um, a reduction in its usage? Do you think it's because, as you've outlined there, that it is just the easy option and that's why there is a little bit maybe of a pro-chemical agenda of sorts within the industry? Yeah, I think I think it is the easy option, and uh, I think to to change from it, there needs to be um, a lot of investment. So, uh, like our foam stream machine, you know, that costs you tens of thousands of pounds. Um, it's a lot slower to. I mean, it is commercially viable, but it is a lot slower to use than um, you know than just walking around with a knapsack with um, with you know, some fairly cheap chemical in it. Um, and, and applying that. So, yeah, so I think there's a lot of it. There's uh, how many sites you can treat in a day, you know, how many people you're going to employ to treat these sites, what your investment in machinery and maintenance and product to run those machines are. Um, you know, it, it requires a lot of thought and a lot of commitment to do. Um, and I think that's it. And I think people hide behind this, um, you know, science that's driven, you know, that's driven behind the chemical companies, which is which is very loose and pretty, uh, pretty ambiguous. I've not read a very convincing report done by any of them showing showing me that it is safe um i mean it's obviously not safe in all the markings that come on it and you know all the very very obvious stuff but to go to an alternative it, it's a huge it's a huge step up and a huge investment uh, and it'll take a lot of planning to get to a point where it becomes easy to maintain without using chemicals so i think that's the barrier that's the barrier to entry um and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of education to be done around it as well in terms of um, yeah in terms of what options are available. Um, so I think it mainly comes down to time. People just don't have the time, and especially mm. the finances. 
Yeah, so those are sort of key elements that maybe, as you say, barriers to people sort of moving towards sort of more sustainable options. And I guess what you're looking to do yourselves is almost be kind of an example there to follow in the sense that you've shown that sort of minimalizing your use of chemicals can actually be done. And, you know, you're actually running a um, a sustainable and um, financially viable business as a result of it. Uh, yeah, exactly, and, and it can be done. You know, small gardens. Um, small gardens is easy to do on. Uh, larger gardens. Um, you know, we look after Ripley Castle's grounds. Um, that's you know, that's nineteen acres, including their forestry. Um, and we, the use of chemical there is minimal, uh, and we use that on uh, mainly just kind of gravel surfaces. And we don't blanket spray. We, we'll only spot spray. Um, and we come out and we use our phone stream if uh, if we can as much as humanly possible, um, and that it does wonders. Um, it, uh, my team feel a lot better about it. They're not you know not getting nauseous from uh, using chemicals all day. Mm. Um, they you know, they love the fact that they can just go in and, and do it. Uh, we've had weed trouble. There's a there's a main peony border, and they've had an issue for years with weeds growing at the base of the peonies. There was no way to get rid of it, um, and we came in with our foam stream, uh, and it worked an absolute treat. We could get in, we could treat the weeds in the peony border, and now there, there are no invasive weeds in this peony border. The only way to do that, it, as it turned out, was using this machine uh, without having to dig them up and being entirely labour-intensive. But uh, I think anyone else would have suggested you know, um, lifting them up or, or spraying around them or, or something. Um, so... Yeah, we have solved a lot of issues using our techniques, which otherwise I don't think many other contractors would have been able to solve. Yeah, it's really interesting uh, that. And um, I like as well how you talked about the fact that sort of reducing your chemical usage is also helping with sort of your employee well-being as well. They're going out into um, obviously the areas where they're completing their work and they're not coming away feeling nauseous as a result of being exposed to sort of a large amount of chemicals when they're doing their work. I mean, really, really interesting. And um, just kind of moving the conversation on to sort of something else on the, um, you know, the sustainability side of things that I know you're also involved with. Some of your recent work has been involved in uh, sort of maintaining sort of local solar farms in the York area hasn't it and i'm guessing that sort of with the renewable movement set to sort of really expand given that the government's talked an awful lot about that and sort of the importance of energy security in the wake of what's going on in ukraine this year um that could be sort of a widening opportunity for you i guess in future couldn't it uh, oh massive we um yeah so the site you know, just over 200 acres um so a huge site the uh, they sowed so, yeah, uh, it's quite a hard site to manage because uh, it's so big. They also construct the solar panels before you go and do any uh, landscaping. So, um, yeah, that's quite a challenge working around very expensive solar panels. Um, but they they throw a grazing meadow mix in the uh, around the panels, which is yeah, fantastic. There's a huge amount of clover in there um, at the minute, and that's looking, yeah, that's looking absolutely fantastic. That fixes nitrogen in the soil, and yeah, there's a huge amount of benefits in that. Uh, modern farming techniques now are including uh, a lot more diversity in terms of selective uh, kind of weeds, well, can, what they're considered weed species, such as red clover. Mm. Um, and they're now incorporating that into their grazing plans. So that's coming across into solar farms. Around all the margins, they sowed uh, wildflower meadows, uh, which have, um, yeah, they've established really well as well. I saw those uh, in the middle of last, last week and they're looking, looking great. Um, and they've got sheep that are grazing, so they're trying to minimise the amount of cutting you have to do of the site, which is only twice a year, but you're still using kind of tractors and um, you know kind of big diesel guzzling machines. So they've got sheep grazing there. 
Um, so every, everyone benefits. You know, the wildlife absolutely love the, the flowering clover. They've got the wildflower meadows. Um, there's, you know, shelter belts that have been put in, uh, log piles, bird boxes, bat boxes, owl boxes. So, yeah, on this site, the, the amount of um, environmental kind of focus outside of just the construction of, of the solar panels has been really impressive. Uh, yeah, I've absolutely loved working this site and maintaining it now. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I suppose there's going to be sort of more opportunities like this um, and sort of others, um, even with the uh, with the landscaping side in future, isn't there? Because I think since the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, I think it is fair to say, isn't it, that there's been a real heightened awareness of our impact on the planet, hasn't there? And businesses are moving now to be more sustainable and they're, they're doing business with other companies that sort of have, you know, the planet and sustainability in mind and with the advent of, you know, corporate social responsibility. And it's really starting to, uh, to take off, I guess, you're only in line to benefit given the way that you're looking to, uh, to sort of conduct business with the, uh, with sustainability and uh, the green agenda in mind. Uh, yes, I think so. And um, I think that again, there's still resistance there's pros and cons, but mm. uh, I think if you look at the, if you look at kind of what's happened recently where uh, there was, there was a ban put on any more solar farms being built on productive arable land uh, mm. or farmland. I can't remember exactly what they, um, uh, what the wording was. Uh, so that is so it is being highly contested the installation of solar farms, but I think these uh, they are so simple, uh, and I've been so impressed with the sustainability you can get around them. I think they're a lot less intrusive than uh, wind farms. I think um, if you look at historically how the landscape has been affected by pylons and all these other things, infrastructure has been put in. I think now, yeah, exactly. The focus um, the focus now is uh, a lot more on the environment. Um, I think uh, when you're managing these sites and they are that environmentally focused, I just I think it's a great marketing ploy, and it's um, it's a kind of all I've seen is that it's a win-win. I, I don't think it's an intrusive form of kind of energy, you know, renewable energy generation. Um, so hopefully, yes, yeah, so hopefully there is a lot more movement on the solar farm front, and I think exactly people are a lot more aware and a lot more conscious of where their energy is coming and um, and about the environment. And I think that's uh, I think it's really positive, but there is still a lot of resistance in terms of you are still putting metal structures, you know, on a farm. Mm. Uh, where does the compromise stop? I don't know, but it's nice that these discussions have been yeah been had. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's in the headlines at the moment, isn't it? Just for the context um, of the uh, the listeners tuning in, we're recording this podcast on the, uh, the 28th of November 2022. So there's a lot of talk in Parliament at the moment about uh, the future of the uh, the effective ban on onshore wind farms. And there's a group of Conservative MPs and also with the backing of the Labour Party who want to try and overturn the effective ban that's been in place in 2015 by essentially allowing wind farms onshore to go ahead if they have the consent of uh, local residents, basically. Um but what are your thoughts on on that, Ben? I mean, because um, we've talked about sort of solar farms being sort of a less intrusive form of renewable energy, but what kind of future do you want to see sort of uh, for the onshore wind side of things? Because could maintenance of sites like that also uh, provide an opportunity for you? Uh, they could, but they're not very... Um, uh, so we have looked at a couple of contracts, but the actual site, the actual sites you'll be maintaining, the footprint of the farm is, um, is actually quite small. So... Mm. You know, they still farm, uh, still farm arably quite quite close to the base of the wind farms. There's no one plot. So, like this, uh, like this solar farm, you are managing you're managing the land over you know, over 200 acres, and that is being managed. Every bit of it's being managed you know, for the environment and the soil. So, 
uh, that's really good. But far, uh, wind farms, I just think, are very intrusive. Like the the solar farm, you uh, you can hide it with shelter belts, and you can hide it with woodland. You can have um, uh, we planted um, uh, just over a kilometre of new hedging to you know, grow up and shield the the farm from view from uh, one aspect. Um, and yeah, so you, you can hide it, you can shield it, you can actually improve the environment because it's been there. I don't think you can do that with with wind farms. Um, I suppose it will come down to a bit more kind of technical data of what what is the what what's the compromise. If you're going to visually ruin a landscape, which uh, around me I live right at the base of the Yorkshire Moors, uh, there is a, a line of telegraph poles, uh, you know the big pylons, the big metal ones that yeah. come across, and it is it's an unbelievable blight on the landscape. If they were there, it'd be so beautiful. Um, and I think all of these kind of vertical structures that are being put in wind farms, uh, you know, huge pylons are. I think for the visual impact on the environment, you'd have to have a lot of, um, they don't they'd need to generate an enormous amount of energy. Um, but in, in terms of what they give the environment, as I say, the footprint of the actual wind farm itself doesn't lend to planting wildflower meadows, doesn't lend to planting woodlands or uh, or anything like that. So they, they are there just as an energy generator. So in that sense, I, don't, I wouldn't be particularly behind them. Um, but uh, I mean, a solar farm in Yorkshire, you could you could argue that you know how much how much is that going to generate as well. So, but I, I, as I say, from installing and maintaining it, I've been very impressed by the amount of um, the amount of you know, the environmental kind of infrastructure we've had to put in um, has been enormous. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and I guess. Um what will I, you rightfully say there it's all about what the compromise is going to be isn't it i mean there's been talk with um sort of the wind farms for instance and how intrusive they are maybe if local residents were to consent to them being built sort of close to uh, where they're living and obviously it's going to be a little bit of a blight on the uh, the landscape around them could sort of lower energy bills as a result of that compromise be something that could maybe tempt them and obviously in um, the times that we're currently in with the cost of living crisis and rising energy prices being very much in the headlines that is something maybe that's uh that is to be considered uh it is but i think i think a lot of it's very short term uh very short term thinking mm. so if, if you were to react emotionally to you know the cost of living crisis and we need more energy and um you just don't know how long that's going to last and i think um you know the environment is there well beyond uh not only our lifetimes but well beyond humans will be on on the earth and um the fact that you're going to erect something which will be there for hundreds of years uh, as a blight on the landscape to solve what may be a decade-long problem, I think is um, it's just not worth it. So, uh, yeah, I think at every stage, every option needs to be considered and um, uh, and the pros and cons weighed up. But I think there needs to be some kind of long-term vision in there as well. Uh, and I think just throwing throwing up eyesores certainly, I think, is... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's happened before in the past. It, it's all around me at the minute, uh, right on the edge of a national park. I mean, literally within kind of 50 metres of the national park boundary, and those you know, huge steel pylons. Um, and it, it, it is, you know, in my opinion, I mean, a very short-sighted. Uh, it's just so ugly. It's, it's um, mm. uh, yeah, and that's there for however many hundreds of years. So, um Yes, I think in that sense, I think they're a huge, a huge con. Um, and the, the positive of it, it might lower energy bills, but are there other solutions which would fit the bill a lot better? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose um, the solar option is uh, is one thing to be considered in that sense, given that you've mentioned a lot of the other uh, pros on that side of things. And um, it sort of really struck me that you talked about sort of short termist thinking there. And I think uh, it's important that government doesn't fall victim to that when it comes to energy policy in the next few months and indeed years. But um, it's also important for business as well, isn't it? Because I suppose since the pandemic, there's been a huge temptation for businesses to, uh, you know, go greener and be more sustainable and really effectively sort of market that side of things. But it needs to be more than just short-termist action, doesn't it? Because if you're not thinking about sort of the uh, the long term and how obviously over time you can keep your business operating in a sustainable way, I suppose you're only kind of putting yourself in the uh, in sort of the uh, the crosshairs for the greenwashing tag, aren't you? I mean, you don't want to be sort of falling victim to that side of things. You've got to make sure that when you're moving to doing things a bit more sustainably and you're really helping market that to other businesses, you've got to make sure that you're kind of doing it right and really just doing everything that you sort of can and uh, sort of being thorough with uh, the actions that you're taking. Uh, yes, you do, yeah. And um, I think one, uh, one issue that we've been trying to plug and uh, work with people a lot more are um, uh, say new new build housing developers. We, mm. We've gone and done uh, we've gone and done a lot of work for them. So whether that's a bit of hard landscaping or whether we design uh, design some plots or you know, install some fence, yeah, whatever, whatever they, they're asking us to do. Uh, and I'll always approach their marketing department and you know just say you do realise that you know we we are environmental. We are trying to do our bit and. Um, you know, this is all about us. Why don't you use that as a marketing tool? You know, you have employed these you know, environmental company. You know, use it. Go for it. We can work together uh, to yeah, put some marketing, uh, some organic and environmental marketing spin on your on your marketing kind of program. And uh, again, I've never had not a single one of them has turned around and said, "Oh yes, let's sit down and have a meeting." You're just ignored. Mm. Um, and you go past and you can see areas of grass where people are cutting it all the time and it's right on the outside, right in the fringes. And you just think, well, you know, you could get, you could establish that as a wildflower area. It could benefit, you know, all the pollinators, all the insects. Um, you only have to cut it down once a year and you see you see the guys kind of out there or teams of people, um, uh, you know, cutting it every other week and... Yeah, fine. It looks like a mown lawn, but do you really need a mown lawn? It's, it'll, it'll save them money. It'll look better for the environment. You could market it and say that you're an environmentally conscious new build housing company. Mm. There's so many, you know, if you just think outside the box a bit and do something a little bit different, you can set yourself apart from many other people. I mean, a lot of instances actually save money on lawn mowing. You're not mowing it every other week. You're mowing it you know, once a year. Um, and that is missed, I think, by a lot of yeah, commercial companies and especially new build housing companies that I've approached who won't even sit down for a meeting with you, yet alone, you know, yet alone can use it for any marketing. So, yeah, so it, it is a shame. I think there is, um, uh, yeah, there is a lot to be a lot to be had there. And the movement, I think more people need to kind of, um, yeah, be a bit more open to it. It's all very well and good saying that they're trying, but, you know, from what I've experienced, they're not really, you know. I suppose it's kind of, um, we've seen more businesses moving over to be more open to this sort of thing since the pandemic, haven't we? And it's a shame that it's almost taken that kind of, that shock, hasn't it? But I guess as human beings, we're also creatures of habit. And an important thing is that there's been a lot of positive to come out of the tragedy of the pandemic over the last couple of years on, you know, the sustainable working front, on the uh, the mental health side of things as well. And I guess the key thing is that we don't lose sight of that and we don't lose the uh, the positive momentum that's built up and we don't sort of sink back in to essentially what we were what we were doing before and that old mentality 
Yeah, I think I think that's vital. I think, um, um, but as you said, I think the issue is it's, it's creatures of habit, and uh, you know when you when you're running these big industries and uh, big businesses, the people that are making the decisions they are so busy, and they um, you know the, the modern way that we work, we are under so much pressure all the time, and you're you're expected to perform. Yeah, however long, like just keep working all day. Doesn't matter. Just keep going. Um, you, if you're at that level where you are the decision maker, you have so much going on. When someone comes up and says, "Right, we need to change things up," that's going to be at the back of your mind. So, mm. I think, um, uh, yeah, I think, I think we are creatures of habit, and I think the change is um, is difficult, and people just don't have the energy, the time, and they don't want to put the finances to it. There's far more important things. To put that towards, so it depends really on your mentality as a as a company. It depends if you see value in how that would, um, you know, how that grow your company. And I think I think if people stopped and thought about it, they could find ways where it would add a lot of value to you know, to whatever service they're offering. Um, but yeah, sadly, creatures of habit. Just keep going with what you're doing and yeah, get the job done. Really, at the minute. So if we were to sort of issue a message, let's say, to any other business leader that's tuning into this or even budding entrepreneur that's going to start their own business, certainly a housing developer, let's say, that might well be listening in, I guess the message to them would be don't be change averse, embrace it and be willing to sort of change things up. And even though it might seem like a stress on your time, just be willing to sort of, you know, go down that pathway and see where it takes you. Uh yeah, exactly. I think yeah, I think long-term visions are the most important factor of um, uh, should be the most important factor in any any decision that happens in the environment, and um, and that could be anything from you know would you put a hard surface down over a soft surface because if you're putting a hard surface down, you're blocking light, you're destroying the soil structure, uh, the soil life within it. If you're putting a soft surface down, at least that life can kind of keep going, and you know, all that, all these little tiny decisions that need to be made can be, um, you know, whether you're going to put a lawn or a wild flower meadow somewhere, um, every little bit helps. And we can, you know, if the grounds can be maintained in a more environmentally way, uh, electric tools are becoming a lot better and better. Um, I think the battery life now is is getting fantastic, but the uh, I think the reliability of the tools still isn't quite there. So mm. the fact of, um, you know, we, we're trying to use more and more electric tools now over petrol tools and, um, in places, you know, that uh, means less disturbance for residents. It means less disturbance for, you know, um, the public walking about. And just little tiny things like that. Um, why not sit down and have a chat with an expert who actually knows what they're on about? And, uh, and if you wanted to just explore what's the most environmental way to landscape your site or even to maintain it, um, why not have a chat about that? It, it might not be for you at the end of the day, but chatting never, ever hurts. And I, I, yeah, I think that at the minute the door is closed far too many times. Um, so, um, so yeah, I think what's the harm in having a chat about it? What is the harm? Absolutely right. And uh, for those individuals listening in that might be, uh, you know, interested in looking a little bit more into uh, Ben's work, uh, do go and visit mossyrock.co.uk and look more into their organic gardening and landscaping because they are certainly experts in the uh, in the field. And having talked about sort of both the short term and the long term future um, as well um, today, Ben, um, I do want to sort of have a little bit more of a chat about that as well, just before we wrap things up on the uh, the program and just sort of get an idea as to sort of what your own personal targets and ambitions are for yourself 
yourself and the business over the course of this uh, next year? What is it that you're really hoping to achieve and where do you hope that the uh, the conversation on sustainability goes in that time? Yeah, I think we're, you know, we've had a lot of exciting, uh, we've had a lot of exciting work working with a lot of um, you know, large groups and uh, everything from you know, Spanish civil engineering companies to local civil engineering companies to house builders. Um, and, and that's been really, really, uh, it's been really exciting for us. Um, and a lot of it is working alongside them, not necessarily in the design or implementation, uh, in the design of, of the projects going forward, but um, it's purely been on the implementation side of it. So you get given the specs and um, that's kind of what you have to work uh, work from. So we're now working really hard in uh, trying to design, trying to get involved with a li- little bit more of the design of an area, uh, as well as its implementation, as well as its maintenance too. Um, and so that's that's really what we're what we're looking at now. We we are wanting to, uh, with our proven track record of looking after some large uh, large publicly open grounds, we're looking to expand into that a lot more for our regular maintenance uh, teams. Um, and yeah, just keep maintaining, installing, and advising. So we're offering a um, yeah a service from start to finish, really, with with our environmental focus. And that yeah we yeah we are. Um, talking to and deal with a lot of uh, larger clients uh, and the project's getting more and more exciting. So, um, yeah, more, more solar farms, I hope. <laughs> um, and, yeah, some, some nice grounds to maintain. That'd be, that'd be what we're looking at. Absolutely fantastic. And it's great that you're looking to sort of make that service more comprehensive. Like I say, essentially a start to finish service. I think that's absolutely brilliant. And I do wish you all the luck in the world, Ben, and really sort of executing those uh, those goals to, uh, to full effect. And like I say, hopefully the opportunities will, will keep on opening for you. And, uh, you know, as we start to see the direction that we're going in on this, I'd relish the opportunity actually to welcome you back onto the show and just sort of catch up on how things are coming together. And maybe there'll be one or two um, interesting projects to be able to recount with us. Uh, I know there certainly will be because um, we haven't had a we haven't had a dull year yet, so <laughs> that'd be uh, that'd be great. It's brilliant. It's fantastic working in an industry, isn't it, which is in a constant state of flux as well. And that's the uh, the magic of uh, business and innovation. Things move so, so very quickly. And hopefully, in every sense, we'll start to uh, see more of the entrepreneurial spirit of this country being unlocked. And you're certainly doing that in the uh, the sustainability sphere, aren't you, Ben? So uh, thanks ever so much for taking the time to join us on the uh, the programme. And I'm really looking forward to having you on the uh, the show again in future. No, thank you very much for having me. And um, yeah, it's just nice to you know, chat about something that you're passionate about. So thank you. It absolutely is. And for anybody that's listening into today's podcast, if you are impassioned by some of the issues that we have discussed today and you have your own opinion to share with us, then you can obviously uh, leave a comment. That's via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us. And if you want to leave a question for us or Ben, then of course we'll forward that question uh, directly on to him if it's uh, directed to him or his business. And um, just another note as well, um, you are able to actually apply to be on the programme yourself if you did want to bring your own perspective on this or any other topical matter or issue to the discussion table and your port of call for that would be leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply if that was something that you wanted to do as well for now i do hope that everybody listening and has thoroughly enjoyed the interview with mossy rocks ben barnard today on the leaders council podcast i've been your host as always scott challoner and until next time when we'll be back with a whole new perspective on leadership and current affairs please do take care all and goodbye